You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. The Bible says that Jesus, he looked to the cross, not despising its shame, that he set like a flint towards the cross that he went towards it. Understand with me, church, that if you are a Jesus follower, he said, guess what? There will be difficulty. There will be persecution, but that should never stop you. Your relationships will be hard. The jobs will be hard. Raising children will be hard. Relationships will be hard. Church will be hard. But guess what? When you have grit, you don't quit. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now... Here is Pastor Micaiah. Well, we are in a series that we're going to conclude today entitled Wrecking Religion. Now, this might be really applicable to someone like me. I grew up in the church. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe you're not uh, familiar with religion. But for some of us, we grew up around religion. So we have uh, some mixed feelings at times about religion. Uh, sometimes there have been things that have been done in the name of religion that you can say, yeah, that was religion, but that was not Jesus. That was not God. And you can look throughout uh, history at some of the crusades, and you can look at some of the things that people have done in the name of God that you could say, I, I know you're saying that's God, but I don't think that's what he meant or what he wanted us to be a part of. And so we have been looking over the last several weeks at what Jesus said he wanted uh, the church to be like. Because I've been wrestling with the question, will the church just live in a moment or will the church become the movement that he wants it to be? Are we just going to live in the moment where it's just kind of something I do on Sundays? It's just the moment. It's just the moment of time and I give an hour or two a week and it's just that moment. Or will we allow what Jesus started as a revolution to become that movement that spread like wildfire? And you say, well, how do we do that? Well, we looked at the fact that it started with evangelism. Now, evangelism just means to share the gospel, to share the good news. And we said that when it comes to our church, too often people, when they look at church, they think that church is just kind of very stoic and a lot of legalism, a lot of rules, and where, where they would not be comfortable or welcome. But we said, no, we want our church to be irresistible. That when people come, they feel welcome, that they feel invited so that we can share Jesus with them and share the hope of salvation with them. And so it's very important when we talk about evangelism and telling others about Jesus. And we even said the mission statement of Southridge Church is leading people to find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. That's why we exist. You say, well, what's the why behind the what? And it's that. We want people to know Jesus. At the end of the day, or at the end of my lifetime, when I look back on all the years that God gives me in the Silicon Valley, I want to I know that I help people find and follow Jesus. And then we looked at legalism the next week. And we looked at how uh, people set a bar of what spirituality should be or what good Christianity can be. And maybe you grew up in that home where they had this bar. And it seems like we would call them sometimes Pharisees, people that are very religious and they had all all about the outward exterior and they would just keep lifting that bar so high that you you can't reach it and we said how Jesus he doesn't remove the bar he doesn't raise the bar he just lifted us over the bar is what Jesus did and that's what the cross did that's what the shedding of his blood did and so then we looked at last week 
And we talked about one of the marks of our church is servanthood. It's that we are servants. And we talked about how too often people are looking for their place to sit and they think that's significant. If I'm in the right seat, you know, if you've been in a conference room, you're looking for the seat next to the one leading the meeting, right? You want to sit next to the CEO or next to the successful entrepreneur or next to that up and coming rising star or whoever is that next up and coming in your industry. Or maybe you're the rising star, you know, and people are trying to sit by you. And we think, man, it matters where I sit especially on an airplane. Man, first class, you know, you walk through there and I think the air smells better in first class, all right? And then they take the exhaust pipe from the jet and they stick it in economy class and you're just like choking on that nasty air, you know? And uh, so you say, it does matter where we sit. And maybe on an airplane it might matter. But when it comes to God's kingdom, he said, guess what? Greatness is not determined by where we sit, but by where we serve. Because he said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to make himself an example. And we said, hey, our church is going to be marked by serving. And we said that, guess what? We're not just going to serve on Sundays. We're going to serve our spouses. We're going to serve our friends. We're going to serve our coworkers. We're going to serve those that we don't even know. We're just going to help them. And we're going to go out of our way to make a difference. And we're looking for opportunities where we can serve. And we call it servant leadership, that we lead by example by serving one another. That's how we make the greatest impact. And the greatest difference is when we serve. Well, this morning, I want to look at our fourth and final topic and I think it's one where when we look at our church and if you're new to Southridge let me just give you a uh, reader's digest version of Southridge now when I say reader's digest version I should probably just stop saying reader's digest version because uh, half of you probably don't know what reader's digest is let me just do a quick poll how many of you know what reader's digest is Oh, a little bit more than half. Okay, all right. How many of you don't know what Reader's Digest is? There we go. There's, oh, there we go. We have a lot. Okay, back in the day, there was a little magazine. It's called Reader's Digest, little short stories. How many of you, your parents used to collect those? My mom always had a stack, okay? Always had a stack of Reader's Digest, okay? And they were just short, condensed stories. Well, our church technically started in 2014. God gave my wife and I this crazy idea that we were going to leave our church, East San Jose, and that we were going to start a church in South San Jose. My dad has started churches, and uh, so I was like, hey, it seems like a good thing to do. Let's do it. I'm sure you make a lot of money doing that. Let's do it. And uh, uh, we found out the, the opposite is true, and uh, uh, very quickly, uh, we found ourselves in a whole lot of debt, okay? And it was like, I maxed out my American Express card to start the church, and I was like, I'm not sure this is how it's supposed to happen, you know? And, uh, and, and God just started to move, you know, in 2014, and we met in an Oak Ridge Mall movie theater. That's where we met for the first time and how many real Christians in the house you were there in the theater days a few of you okay you were gonna extra blessing in heaven okay I'm sure your mansion in heaven will have one of those theater seats in it okay I'm sure one of them will be in there I'm lying I'm totally lying all right and uh, uh, but then from there we don't talk about our dark past of three four months we did a merger but that's neither here nor there and uh, then we started and we relaunched in 2017 and we've just been on a journey that God has been having our church on but one thing I thought as we would look at this topic and I said I don't have to lead our church in this I don't have to teach our church in this it's part of our ethos it's part of our culture it's part of just our DNA it's just there and you say what is it we just have grit you know what I mean by grit? It's just that, man, just deep down tenacity. 
It's that perseverance. It's that you could hit a brick wall and we just keep on going. I mean, it's just, uh, just nothing quite really stops us. I was meeting with some other pastor friends and they were like, we've never met a church that has such high highs and such low lows. It's like one moment you are like celebrating, you're on the mountaintops, the next you are like, I just, I want to end it all. You know, he's like, you just have no middle ground. You're just not middle of the road. I was like, no, but it takes grit. And really, I was thinking about that as we looked at this topic this morning. You know, it takes grit in our own lives, too. Uh, I've been in ministry now probably about 12 years full-time ministry, and I've seen a lot of people start their Christian journey, and I've seen a lot of people quit on their Christian journey. And I've seen a lot of people come, and I've seen a lot of people go. And I think the missing agreement was not their talent. It was not even their desire. It wasn't their community. It wasn't that there were too many religiosity people around them. It was they lacked grit. I've seen a lot of relationships come, and I've seen a lot of relationships go. And it wasn't because, oh, this person was a horrible person, or that one was a horrible person. I think too often it's because they just lacked grit. I've seen a lot of people hop from job to job to job and it wasn't because the boss was a jerk or because of the job situation is because they lacked grit. I've seen a lot of people when it comes to going deeper in their walk with God and pushing into that relationship they lack the perseverance to continue because they just lack grit. There's something about waking up in the morning with just some grit. You see, every day, you and I are faced with a decision. Here's the decision. You are faced with it in your relationships, in your job, in your calling, in your uh, uh, relationship with God. You are going to be faced with this question. It's this. Will I quit or will I choose grit? Every day, that's the decision you're going to be faced with. It's, I'm going to wake up today and am I just going to punch out and just be like, no, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. With suicide in the rise in our country, what are people choosing? They are choosing the I quit instead of grit because I think sometimes, especially in the church, we have sold this thing that as soon as you get a little God in your life, get a little Jesus in your life, guess what? Things are gonna get better. It's gonna get easier. And you've met those people that it's all sunshines, unicorns, and rainbows. And it's just like, wait a minute, where's my Christian experience like that? Because that has not been my experience. My experience is totally opposite of that. It's been difficult. I started following Jesus and then my car broke down. I started following Jesus and then the bank called in my loans. I started following Jesus and it seemed like everything hit the proverbial fan. Thanks a lot, God. Here I decided to follow you and it's at that moment we're faced with a critical choice. Are we going to quit? Or are we going to choose grit? You see, I think sometimes we look at people that are super talented and we think it's kind of a mystery. How did they succeed? How did their marriage work? How did their business grow? And we just look at these successful people and we think it's a mystery. And I'm here today to tell you there really isn't a mystery to successful or talented people. There isn't. You say, it's not a mystery. It's all about the mundane. Because day in and day out, they made one choice. I'm just not going to quit. They got up and said, hey, guess what? Today is another day. I get up and this is just what I do. It's just who I am. And part of our culture here at Southridge is we have grit. Now, if you're sitting here and you're kind of thinking to yourself, you know what? I could probably use a little bit more perseverance Then guess what? You're at a great place. Because this one author, she wrote about grit. Her name is Angela Duckworth. And uh, interesting last name, but uh, her book's incredible. 
and she writes about grit, and she said, if you want to become a grittier person, just hang around gritty people, and you will learn tenacity. You will learn perseverance. And so this morning, I want to look at a person who I think deep down has tons of grit. His name is David. David, in his life, he faced some high highs and some low lows. So if you would turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, I want to look at some things this morning. Because we live in a day and age, we live in a culture where enthusiasm is common. People get excited about things all the time. And if you have my personality, you can get excited about anything. New shoes, I'm excited about it. Oh, you bought a used car, that's great, you know? And I could just get excited about anything. It doesn't take much. And some people think it's fake. No, it's just my personality. I just get excited, I'm easily excitable. But what I've had to learn is it's one thing to have excitement. It's another thing to have endurance. There's two different things. And we live in a culture where people are like, yes, I start a new job. I hate my job. (laughs) Like, you know, "Ah, yes, I'm dating a new person. Oh, I hate that person. You know, and it's like, oh, yes, I love my new car. Oh, I hate my new car. You know, there's just this, this, what's happening. and And it's easy to get excited about something. And it's easy when you start your faith journey to be excited about Jesus, to be excited about God and what he's doing, how he's speaking to you. Now all of a sudden you open up a Bible and you start reading stuff and it starts talking back to you. And you start sensing the Holy Spirit working in your life and things are starting to change. But then some trials happen. And I find that too often Christians, we are surprised by difficulties. And so since we don't like difficulties, we try to avoid difficulties. We try to avoid adversity. But there's a great gift in adversity. There's something that only comes through when we work on our grit, on our tenacity. When we say, guess what, this is hard, but there's nothing to do but to do it. There's no way out. There's only one way, and that's through it. I'm not going around this thing. I'm not going under this thing. I'm not going over this thing. I am going through this thing. But guess what? You and I, we don't go through this thing alone. We go through with the help of God. And so this character, David, I want to look at some things in his life because it wasn't just enthusiasm. It was endurance. And the greatness that was found inside of him was because he found that, guess what? It's a marathon. And he understood that it's about mastering. If you want to master something, you got to look at it as a marathon. And sometimes we just want a quick sprint to the finish just so we can get over with it. But God is saying, no, no, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it for the long term. I'm here because I want to be here for a long time. So let's read a few verses, beginning in 1 Samuel, verse number 12. This is a famous part of the Bible. You say, why? Because it's where we see the great battle between David and Goliath and if you grew up in church you know this story and you know how it turns out and if you don't know that this is in the Bible guess what you're in for a treat this is an awesome story verse 12 it says now David was the son of a man named Jesse an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah Jesse was an old man at the time and he had eight sons Jesse's three older sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimea, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army. But David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, 
Take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israeli army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. You say, where is grit in this story? Where is the grit that you speak of? Where is that David who slays the giant? I mean, if we're talking about grit and we're talking about persevering, and if we're talking about choosing grit over quit, then guess what? I I don't quite see it there. But here's the thing about grit. Grit isn't just a little decision, is it? It's bigger than that. It's a character decision. It's deeper. It has more to it. There's something that I see about David in this passage, and it's found earlier in the story. You say, what do you mean? It's actually found a chapter prior, because there is a prophet. His name is Samuel, and Samuel is looking to replace King Saul. And so Samuel goes to Bethlehem, and Samuel's going to anoint a new king. And when Samuel gets there, he goes to Jesse's house. And Jesse has eight sons. Remember, it was mentioned in the passage we read. And so Samuel shows up, and all of a sudden, the first son shows up. His name's Eliab. And Samuel said, this is going to be the next king. Look at him. I mean, he looks like a king. He's tall. He's handsome. Broad shoulders. Muscular. So much like your pastor. I mean, we just have so much. in That laughter hurts my heart, guys. Man. But it was one of those things where uh, you, you immediately just look at Eliab and you were thinking, that's the next king right there. If anybody's a king, that's the king. And this is what Samuel was saying to himself. You ever thought something to yourself about somebody? Here's what's so crazy. He's not saying it out loud, but God answers Samuel. Like, what if you were just thinking something? And all of a sudden, the voice from heaven starts speaking. You're walking through the mall. Your bride, your wife, your girlfriend's right next to you. And she looks over and says, did you notice that other girl who walked by? And you're like, no, baby. I only got eyes for you. And the voice of God says, liar. (laughs) Totally checking her out. You're like, whoa. I mean, that's kind of one of these moments, right? Where Samuel's thinking, I have met the next king of Israel. Like, hey, all you others, thanks for trying. Okay, come back next season. Maybe it'll work out. You know, maybe we'll turn our chairs around and and you're going to be the next voice or something. But you guys didn't make it. But then God says, you're looking at the wrong metrics. You see, Samuel was looking at height, but God was looking at heart. And too often we look for height and not heart. And God says, guess what? We got to find somebody who has grit. But guess what? It starts with, they got to be faithful in the first things. You see, if you and I are going to have grit this morning, it's because we are faithful at first things. Our culture is really big on success. Our culture is really big on image. But guess what? And let me put it up on the screen. 
Faithful in first things, okay? Please write this down. This is gonna build one on another and I want you to get this in your spirit. We started off this year in doing a series entitled The Home Run Life and we talked about, man, we gotta start at home plate and that's our relationship with God and then we move to uh, first base and that is our character. Then we move on to second base and that is our, our, our community and who we're surrounded with and then we get to competency and then we're back home but it starts with first things being our character and if there is one thing today that culture does not value it's our character and David said there was one thing he had that his other siblings did not have now they had what David didn't have but David had what they didn't have and what David had was more important because David had heart And this morning, you may be sitting here and thinking, I'm not the most spiritual person. I don't have the best voice, or I'm not the most talented, and I've got a past, or I've got some issues, or I've got a temper, and I've got some addiction, or I've got some of these issues, and I'm struggling here. Guess what? I want to tell you something. David had a lot of areas that were wrong, but God said the area that mattered was the heart. You see, someone has wisely said that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Deal with your heart. Are you faithful in first things? Are you saying, God, I'm going to get in your word, and I'm going to let your word get in me. God, I'm going to get before you in prayer. God, I'm going to get before you in church. I'm going to get before you in small groups, in community, and I'm going to get around the right people because if you're going to have grit this year, it starts with being faithful in first things. And the first thing is your heart this morning. How is your heart? You say, I'm alive. It's pumping just fine. Thank you very much. Cholesterol levels are low and I'm ready to go. That's not the heart we're talking about. Now that's good. Your heart's doing well. I encourage a balanced diet and healthy exercise. I have to say that because the owner of my gym is sitting in the service. (laughs) Now, you need to understand something. God, when he's talking about our heart, is talking about our emotions, the things that we value, the things that we place value on, the things that we prize. God is saying, what do you prize? What does your heart go after? For our context in our area, it says go after status, go after image. It says go after bigger and better. And that's why I want to encourage you to come back next week. I won't be doing the teaching next week, but you better come back because the the teaching the next couple weeks is going to be powerful on more. And you don't want to miss out because our culture says get more, get more, get more. But how do you get more without losing yourself in the process? And so that's the key right there, isn't it? And so David had learned He had learned something his other brothers hadn't learned. That guess what? I need to be faithful in first things. And the first thing is my heart. And so how is my heart? Where am I drawn to? Is my heart given towards things that it should not go after? Is my heart easily corrupted? Is it easily pulled away from things? Am I easily pulled out of these things that I know I need to be into? So how is our heart this morning? That's what matters. You see, God came back and said, don't look on the height, look on the heart. Get back to faithful and first things. Hey, we're almost at the end of the year. I can't believe September's next week. Man, this year's flown by. So many things that have happened. And maybe you started the year when you had all of these New Year's resolutions. And I'm telling you, it's not too late to say, you know what? I made a decision in January that I was going to get my heart closer to God. And I was going to take those steps. So how are you doing on those steps? You said, I was going to read more. I was going to pray more. I was going to meditate more. I was going to get around more Christian community. I was going to do some good things. How is that decision? Now, this isn't to guilt trip you. This is not passive aggressive. This is just a question for you to pose to your conscience because you need to steward your heart. It's the seed of the emotions. So where are those emotions leading you? Where is it going? 
We want to be a church that helps you have grit when it comes to being faithful in first things. Yes, we want you to be faithful in the church, but more importantly, I want you to be faithful to your relationship to God because that's our lifeline. That's how we get that, that strength that we need, that encouragement that we need. That's where we get the power to keep going, to put one front foot in front of the other. Yeah, I could talk about, man, here's what it takes to have grit. You just got to buck up. You just got to suck it up. You just got to do hard things. No, no, that is called motivation, and Tony Robbins could do that better than I could. So we got to start at something a whole lot deeper, all right? And it starts with the heart. It's saying, God, I got to get my heart in the right place. So it starts there. So David he was faithful in first things. But notice, secondly, if you're writing things down, not only was he faithful in first things, David was faithful in small things. You say, what do you mean? We read the story. David is a shepherd. He's a shepherd. Now, in that cultural context, that's the lowest job you could have, okay? That was a job that always the youngest got it. Always the hired hand got it. It was the worst job you could have because you would spend uh, nights out in the cold. You would be out by yourself and you would have to protect this little flock. And if any wild animals try to take the sheep, guess what? You put your life on the line to protect those sheep. So it was a dangerous job. It was a lonely job. It was a job that you wouldn't want to do. I've been over in Israel and shepherding is still really big, especially on some of the border areas where it's not, uh, the wealth isn't a big thing. Or if you go to Jordan, you go to some of these countries, they still do a lot of shepherding on those hills and you could just picture David on those cold nights you could just picture him because guess what you got to protect those sheep I got a little problem right now my son Cain knows how to open doors and let himself out of the house and so he'll he'll open the door in the morning and it'll be early in the morning and my wife goes to the gym really early at like 5 30 and I'm like man I don't think God's up at that time what are you doing and uh, she'll go to the gym early she'll leave me there with the children and I'll just hear a door unlock and Cain's gone and so it's like my alarm clock. And you just go out and go, go after him, all right? Could you imagine at night as you're going to protect these sheep? you got to pretty much stay up all night to protect these sheep. But notice what David did. His dad said, hey, David, I have an assignment for you. I want you to take some bread and cheese. You're going to make some grilled cheese sandwich. Man, but we don't use leaven, so it's like a pita grilled cheese sandwich, okay? And I uh, take this pita bread and some goat cheese and uh, uh, make them a grilled cheese sandwich, and I want you to take it to them, okay? And you're going to give your brothers, you're the food boy, all right? You're going to deliver some food. And so David says, okay, Dad, I got it. But David does something so powerful, and we almost miss it because it's, so, it's just there in the passage. But he says he left the sheep in the hands of a keeper. His dad said, go deliver food. But David said, I still have this job. So David was not only faithful in first things, he was faithful in small things. And listen to me just for a second, because we have a culture that wants to be promoted for doing nothing. We live in a place where people feel like, I got hired here, so guess what? Look out, here I come. I should get the better office. I should get the raise. I'm a little bit entitled. And we've got it in the church too. I've been given to this church for so long, and guess what I believe? I should be sitting in these seats, and I should have a say. No, no. How about you be faithful in the small things? How about you go grab an offering plate and you say, I'm going to serve. How about you go stand by a door and wave at people as they come in? How about you get here at 630 in the morning and help unload a truck? Or how about you go over to Ridge Kids and say, guess what? I'm going to change some diapers. I'm going to help out. I'm going to do what I can do to make this church work. I'm going to be faithful in small things. You see, sometimes you think people that just show up on the platform, it's because they're talented. We don't care about talent. 
Talent is cheap. We look for people that have grit. Some people that say, guess what? I am faithful in first things. I make sure my heart is right. But I'm also faithful in small things. You see, David said, guess what? I'm not just going to ignore the sheep. You ever had a dirty job you didn't want to do and you couldn't wait to not do it? This is a dirty job, but David said, guess what? Even though it's a job I don't like to, and I don't want to do, guess what? I'm still going to do it well. Sometimes what we will do, and I'm guilty of this, if it's a job we don't want to do, we will do it poorly so people will take it away from us. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hit a button there, didn't I? Like, we know we don't want to do the job, so we're like, if I just suck at my job, they may not give it to me. There's another word that could happen to you. It's called fired. That could happen too. So don't, that's a 50-50. Maybe don't do that. But what if we were known for just being good at the small things? I've worked with people that didn't like me, and guess what? They give me the dirty jobs. They give me the worst job. And all of a sudden you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, I'll do it, and you do it so well. All of a sudden they're like, whoa, this person has grit. This person has some tenacity. This person has some perseverance because they do it with a smile. They get it done well. They get it done fast. They do it how I would do it. Look at this person. They are faithful in small things. Scripture says, do not despise the day of small things. You look around at a room, we can say, oh, there's empty seats here, this or that. Guess what? Don't despise the day of small things. God says, I can do a lot with small things. God is saying, hey, I can take just a faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, and I can say to the mountain, the hand, hey, remove hence, and it'll remove. God says, guess what? Too often, we are waiting till God calls us to those big assignments. But what if we were just faithful in the small things? We're looking for a church that's filled with people who says, guess what? I am faithful in the small things. But too often, we're guilty of wanting promotion before we've ever done the small things. And God says, hey, how about you step up and serve at the small things? Sometimes my mind, I'm, I'm humbled by the people who serve in our church. We're in Silicon Valley. There's a lot of uh, successful people in the room. And because of I get to be a pastor, I get to know you on a, on, a, on a really great level. So I get to know some things about you and your position and your status. And sometimes it's the people with the most position, with the most status in culture and society that they're the ones that'll take the lowest jobs. And that it doesn't surprise me that God promotes them. Because the first shall be last and the last shall be first. You see, God's economy is upside down. And if we don't learn how to be faithful in small things, God says, guess what? I can't promote you. I want to promote you. I want to give you bigger things, but I just can't trust you with it. I got to see you be faithful in small things. So David said, guess what? I will be faithful with these sheep. And so God said, guess what, David? You're a good shepherd. How about I take you to the next level where you shepherd an entire nation? You learned how to take care of these sheep. So guess what? We're going to give you more. But not only was David faithful in first thing, David's faithful in small things. David, and this is the big one, was faithful. And write this down because this is so powerful. In things that weren't his. Somebody has wisely said, nothing drives like a rental. It's amazing. When you get in a rental car, you're like, man, this thing could take some turns, baby. Oh, man, this thing, pedal to the metal. You ride the brakes, you're like, it's a rental. I got my rental insurance. It's okay. I don't care how I treat it. That says something about our character, doesn't it? It's amazing how you treat other people's things. My Bible says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Everything is God's. My wife is not my wife, it's God's. My children are not my children, they're God's. My house is not my house, it's God's. My car is not my car, it's God's. My clothes are not my clothes, it's God's. My gifts are not my gifts. My talents are not my talents. My church is not my church. Everything is God. So guess what? I'm going to give account one day. And how I did with what I had. And so are you, friend. So God is saying to us, hey, how do you treat things that aren't yours? 
And guess what? Sometimes we're guilty of not taking very good care of other people's stuff. Your parents ever teach you this? Leave it better than you. Oh, isn't that good? Isn't that wise? Aren't we terrible at doing it? We are, aren't we? I think of this campus whenever we step on here. I think, man, there's trash. Why don't we pick up the trash? Hey, I see weeds. Why don't we pick a few weeds? Hey, I see some things. I'm like, well, why don't we do this? Why doesn't, when the church rent this place, they say, we're so glad that the church was here. I'm so grateful that we had some volunteers that they walked in this room. They said, hey, let's vacuum it. So Daniel Johnson, this morning, before you got here at 7.30 in the morning, he was vacuuming the carpet. Guess what? We pay a janitor to do it, but he saw the need. So we are going to leave this place better than when we found it. So then people say, I like that church because those people are faithful in things that aren't theirs. Because when we are faithful in things that aren't theirs, God says, guess what? I can trust you with more. I can pour more into your hand. I can keep blessing you. I can keep giving to you because I see how you treat it. I see how you take care of it. I see how you steward the opportunity. Many times we're like, God, I just need grit. But God is saying, guess what? You want grit? Here's where it's found. You see, what makes our church gritty? It's because we are faithful in first things. We say, God, it's all about you. And we want to make it about you. But then we step back and we say, God, guess what? We're going to be faithful in first things. We're going to be faithful in small things. But God, we're going to be faithful in things that aren't ours. So God, this moment is not just going to be a moment for us. It's going to be a movement for us. We step out and say, God, this is tough. This is difficult. But guess what? We are not going to walk away. We are not going to give up on this thing. So our passion needs to be persistence. It needs to be part of our passion. That we have deep in our crawl, that we have persistence, that we keep going. Now, guess what? It's not just in a ministry. Put it into your marriage. Put it into your job. Just put it in there. That when hard things happen, guess what? That you have a reputation that you don't quit, that you choose grit. What if you just chose that? That when the trials come down, that there's something about you that people say, yeah, not the most talented, maybe not the highest IQ score, but you can't stop that person. You can't stop that woman. You can't stop that man. There's just something about them. They just have some grit and they won't quit. They just keep going. They're just, remember the Energizer Bunny commercials? Come on, my 90s friends. Remember the Energizer Bunny just kept on going, kept on going. We are better than a bunny. Touch your neighbor and say, you're better than a bunny. You're better than a bunny. Come on. You got to have some grit. And if there's one thing too often church people are known for is that we quit too soon. We give up on God's promises and his blessing. And there's so much God wants to do in your relationship that you say, guess what? Hey, you know what? Married people, if you've been married the first year, it just sucks. Just embrace it. It just does. And if at the wedding officiant, did he not say that in your ceremony? I'm sorry. But I need to start making that wedding greeting cards. Welcome to marriage embrace the suck it just does like jane and i first got married i was like this is so weird sleeping with somebody in the same bed this is like like let's do the ricky and lucy thing you know like two separate beds because i'm all over the place and she's like count dracula she just doesn't move i'm serious she doesn't move i'm like rigor mortis has set in you know we need to circulate the blood lifting up her arms you know moving her legs and stuff i was like oh, you might die in your sleep okay all right we need to do something she just lies perfectly still okay and she was planking before it was popular okay she was doing that plank and uh, then she just rolls out of bed like a little princess and then just kind of whoop bed's made like, she didn't move she didn't move everything's perfectly tucked in and everything and then when she lays there she just like tucks herself in like a mummy and so I'd reach over, you know, try to hug her. I'm like, hey, where, 
where are you? I know you're here, but can't get to it, you know? And it's one of those things where, man, when those first couple weeks and months, you're like, this is just weird. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. You don't quit. They don't quit. I find, too, when people start a new job, like, man, this job, I thought it was going to be so great. The interview just sounded so great. They wanted to hire you. Of course they're going to say good things. They're not going to be like, oh, watch out for Susie. She's a gossip and she's going to slander you. Oh, watch out for Bob. Bob just hates everybody. He's a jerk on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Fridays, and holidays. And, you know, they don't say that. They're going to tell you, look at our 401k. Look at your office. Look at the view. You don't have a view because you suck. And it's just one of those things. They just go through, okay? And nobody is trying at the very beginning telling you what's really happening. And then you just get there and you're like, should I quit? And what if we were the church that says, no, I have grit. I'm going to stick it out. You know how many times I find people, they meet Jesus. Just after a few months, it's like, yeah, I tried that God thing. It was hard. You know, it's not just following God that's hard. It's anything is hard. I was sitting there and somebody brought nothing but cake to my house last night. And I was eating nothing but cake. As my wife's got her weighing scale. And she's cutting up little ounces of meat and putting it on her kale salad with her nasty kale dressing. Kale's just gross. And uh, she's eating all healthy. And they're like, Makaya, you want a diet? And Jane's like, the seafood diet. What he sees, he eats. He just eats it. I was like, yeah, I do a lot of cardio. I just, no, I'm just lying to myself to make myself feel better. There's bunt cake. I'm going to eat it. All right. I have no discipline. Okay. And so it's one of those things where it's like, wait, we need persevere we need that grit doing a diet is hard going to the gym is hard paying our bills is hard raising kids is hard life is hard everything is hard but what happens is and this is called maturity we just say life is hard i used to work with a guy that said life is hard then you die say thank you that's very motivational it's more demotivational than motivational but it's kind of true, if we're honest. And yet what we'll do is we'll say, man, my life is so hard. I better get out of this relationship. I better get out of this church. I better stop following Jesus. I just do my own thing. It's just too hard. You can do that with everything in life because everything in life hits a wall at some point. Every time you're just going to hit it. And there just comes a decision where you say, guess what? I picked this person. I love this person. This person isn't very loving, but guess what? I picked you, you picked me. So we're in it. Ride or die. It's it. This is it. All right. Ride or die or we die in this ride. This, this, this is what's going down. This job, this is just, this is it. I'm putting into it. You see, sometimes we think the most talented people are just crazy talent. A lot of it is the mundane. That they get up at 5.30 in the morning, 4 in the morning, they train. And it's the mundane that's where the mystery is. 1968, the Olympics are in Mexico. Tanzania had sent some runners to compete in a marathon. There was one man, his name was Joseph Akari. Joseph Akari was sent from Tanzania 5,000 miles away to compete in the Olympics, to win the Olympics. Halfway through the marathon, there was a bad collision between 75 runners 18 of which were so injured they couldn't finish the race hours after the race had finished they had given the gold the bronze and the silver medal the janitors were 
cleaning the seats in the stadium. Some news reporters were wrapping up some telecasts and some things, and they looked up and they saw somebody hobbling in. Because Akari, in the the mix-up, had dislocated his knee and also cut it really deeply. So they said, you could see Akari limping in to the stadium with a dislocated knee, just hobbling along. All of a sudden, the crowd was amazed. They didn't know there were any runners still out there. But here comes Akari marching. So a couple janitors, they just grab some tape real quick. Man, we got to celebrate this. Everybody else left the stand, so they started stretching it out. And man, Akari, he crossed the finish line. And the reporters went up to Akari, and they said, Akari, the race has been over for hours. Why did you feel like you had to finish? 18 other runners, they quit after that pileup. And Akari said this. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles across the world to start a race but to finish it. God did not send you and I here to this time to start something. He called us here to finish something because we look unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him despised the cross. And it's time that we say, I got some grit in me. I got some crawl in me. I got some perseverance in me. And I'm not going to give up. God didn't just send me here to finish pretty. He sent me here with some perseverance. The Bible says that Jesus, he looked to the cross, not despising its shame, that he set like a flint towards the cross that he went towards it. Understand with me, church, that if you are a Jesus father, he said guess what there will be difficulty there will be persecution but that should never stop you your relationships will be hard the jobs will be hard raising children will be hard relationships will be hard church will be hard but guess what when you have grit you don't quit let's be the church that chooses grit not quit we hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah if it was a blessing to you don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week if you have any questions we'd love to hear them Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.